you set a goal, ask yourself, at what point would you stop going after this goal? And if you can wow. come up with a point that, 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 that you would stop going after it, don't set that goal. Because you're going to hit a dip when you're going for your goal. And if you give up the first dip that you hit, it's a, don't do it. It's not, it's not <laughs> that important to you. So one, we need to make sure that our goals are worth that. We will do whatever it takes. Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where I'm on a mission to help you unleash your full potential. Today's guest is Greg Swanson, a clinical hypnotherapist, NLP practitioner, and mental strength expert. Greg has had decades of experience in sales training and athletics, and now combines these unique and powerful insights into what it really takes to help individuals and teams raise their performance to the next level. We had a great conversation here. We dive deep into topics like self-mastery, how to master your own thoughts, your emotions, your belief systems, your action patterns in order to take your life to the next level. We talk about mental rehearsal and how you can use that to prepare for those moments of impact that matter most in your life. And lastly, we dive deep into something we call the dark side, into how to use pain and disappointment and defeat and failure as fuel to push yourself when the beauty of your vision, the beauty of your goals is not enough to motivate yourself into action. So we had a great conversation. I know you're going to love and enjoy this. Let's dive right in. So Greg, you call yourself a warrior mind coach. So those, for those people that, that don't really know what to do with that term, can you tell us a little bit about the warrior mindset and, and what you really try to help people do? Sure, absolutely. So part of, so when you look at a warrior, most people think of them as, you know, these rape, pillage and beat up and conquer and all that. But really, when you look at the esoteric part of it, the samurais and some of the others, a warrior is really somebody who conquers himself. It's about self-mastery. So the warrior knows physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually who they are, what they are, how, how to to do that so the warrior mindset is the mindset of self-mastery yeah absolutely love that uh, what you speak to is there's there's not only the the mental aspect or the physical aspect in fact there's there's so many kind of parts to this right and you call it these these four sort of um approaches to it right so the mental game right physical emotional and spiritual so why is it not enough to just train one aspect of those well because so that's a great question, Max, and I hope we can get it done within an hour time <laughs> frame here. So I'll try to keep my philosophy short here. For me, and this works for me, the body, the physical, is the doorway to the mental. And I'm going to use sports analogy, CrossFit, mountain climbing, some of those analogies. When you are involved in a exertion activity, at some point you're going to have a self-talk going, "I can't do it. It's too hard." Right then, the doorway to the mental opens up. And so when you get involved with the physical, the doorway to the, to the mental opens up. And when you can be aware of that by, by training, you'll then be able to silence those critics, that internal critic for you. Then from the mental, you're going to go to the emotional. That is, as soon as you stop, as soon as you get your self-talk under control, eventually you're just going to get 
emotions are going to come up for you. They're just going to come up. You're either going to get mad, you're going to start to cry, you're going to have some sort of emotions attached with pushing yourself beyond what you normally did. Once you get to that point, then the only thing to keep you going is the spiritual. And I classify this as what's the purpose of what you're doing? You look at individuals who do fundraisers, who bike two, three, four, 500 miles a day. They do it because they have a purpose. If you don't have that purpose behind what you're doing, and, I'm, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a fundraiser, but when an athlete or an individual knows the purpose of what they're doing, then they can tap into that purpose and they will have an unending supply of energy to keep going. So that's the reason why I do the physical first, opens the doorway to the mental, that opens the doorway to the emotional, and then the emotional gives way to the spiritual. You know, I love that so much, and it truly really makes sense, right? And, and so the, what it reminds me of is this, this, I think it's called central governor theory of, of Tim Noakes, right, the sports psychologist, um, that basically said that the, at the end of the day, the brain is the defining factor, even in, you know, athletic performance, even in, you know, the things that you would think are purely physical, right? At the end of the day, the brain shuts down before the body to prevent us basically from, from dying, right? And so I think that's why it's so important, like you say, to, to really train all of these aspects, whether it's the mental part, the emotional part, or then the spiritual part, really getting clear on why you have to push through the pain and the discomfort and the, the suffering that is inevitably involved when we right. set and, and, and try to achieve these big goals. Right, and, and I don't like, the word suffering to me sounds like you're enduring something you really don't want to do. You're suffering through. So there's, there's a, dip, you know, I, I come up with different terms along the way because I'm a big believer of the words we use don't create, they, they, they don't describe, they create our experience. And so when we use the words suffering, it means to me it's an unfavorable response. Although we can call it, you know, in the SEALs, I guess, I guess they call it embrace the suck. Right. So it's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that, that you do, but absolutely you have to go through these and this, and I used a physical, I used a, you know, a sporting analogy, but you could use this in anything going for an interview, right? Going for, um, if you're in sales to do, to do a sales, it may not be that physical, but you're there showing up and now you have to get to the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. Yeah, love that. And thanks for calling me out on that, by the way. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> now, most people understand that, you know, how important it is to train a physical body, right? Whether it's through exercise, you know, running, gym, whatever it is. But why do people, you know, struggle so much with, with the mental and the emotional and the spiritual aspect? Why do you think that's still, for most people out there, like a sort of taboo topic or something that they don't really practice on a daily basis? Well, that's a great, great subject and, and question, Max. And I think that's why you're in the field that you're in. Yeah. I'm in the field that I'm in. Many people don't understand how powerful they really are from an internal perspective. And you look at that, right? The physical is external. The mental, emotional, spiritual are all internal. So we focus so much on what we can see, the physical, that we lose track of the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. And I think, so Carol DeWick has this fixed mindset, growth mindset process. I'm not saying that everybody has a fixed mindset, but many people think that they can't change their thinking, that they are not in control of their thoughts. The only thing that they can do is, is you know, is work out or exercise <laughs> or 
or do nutrition. And even then when it doesn't work, they don't take responsibility for it. So I think part of it is that nobody is held up. I shouldn't say nobody. As a society, we haven't been strong enough to hold up mirrors to people to indicate you're more powerful than this. Your body is just a representation of what you're thinking. So we need to work with what you're thinking, what you're feeling in the spiritual, and your body will respond. And, and, right, and right now we're just talking about you know, working out or exercise or something to that nature. And, and I, I'm a big believer of that is a big indicator of how you approach life. There's this philosophy of how you do anything is a reflection of how you do everything. And if you're not taking care of your body, if you're not working with your body, it doesn't have to be bodybuilding shape, but if you're not the best you can be, where else are you lacking in your life? Yeah, I love that so much. And to me, what it comes down to is a lot of um, just taking ownership of, of your life and how you're actually living. And it's, it's right. weird, right? Because in my own life, I realized that all the people I usually surround myself with they usually tend to be athletes. They usually tend to be people that are super into, you know, working out their bodies and their minds to just become the best it can be because that's just naturally what I sort of gravitate towards because I know that, you know, people that do that, the people, like you say, that, that actively train those things, they're just wired differently, right? They're thinking of in totally different ways than the majority of people. And so I think it's so right. important. And, but, but, but the question is, how did they get wired differently yes. we're all born we're, we're, we're all born with a blank slate in our brain as far as as far as neuropathways are concerned so we wired differently how did that get that get created well it got created through childhood through experiences through other aspects and even with some athletes so what, what you were referring to was before is many people are playing the victim yeah right they they complain they blame they justify but you can even see some of those that may, be, may look like they're wired differently are still playing the victim, even though they're performing at a high lo level. There's several NFL football players that exude that. They have great skills, but they haven't mastered the rest of their life. Although I would say that those individuals probably have a better head start on mastering their life than somebody hasn't. For sure. I think that's, that's a, such an important point that, you know, using all of these things is not so much about just beating other people as it is about becoming your best self. Because then, right. there's, like you say, when you look in the mirror, you see the reality, right? Like you may be beating other people based on pure natural talent. But when you look in the mirror and you have that honest look at yourself and you realize, hey, I'm not the best I can be. That's really what it's about. Um, right. And, and you, look at, you look at other NFL players like Tom Brady, whether you like New England Patriots or not, whatever. Tom Brady, I mean, his self-efficacy, his, self his growth mindset, all of it, he's, you, know, he, you could take him from football into any career and he's going to do the same thing. Oh, he would still he's, wi he, 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 he's wired that way. He, he intentionally wired himself that way. Yes, 100%. You know, I have, this, I have this theory, and I'm really excited to, to sort of get your take on this. So I truly believe that, and we talked about self-mastery before, that today, in this day and age, self-mastery is, is the most critical skill that human beings can possess. And I think it's also the first time in history that we actually need it. Because if you think back, you know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, the way that human beings evolved is, our lives were all, you know, they weren't easy, right? We were starving, there were diseases and all that. 
but they were pretty simple in the sense that you're born away and, and your life pretty much unfolded the way that you know your parents your circumstances your environments dictated right so you're born a farmer you'd marry a farmer or you become a farmer you're born a prince or a princess mm -hmm. you become a king or a queen but now for the first time if, if you go to university you can study like 150 different subjects right you can choose between like thousands of different jobs and so what's really quiet now this is this and i know you talk about this a lot grit right the ability to just take one goal to just ch chase basically one thing in our lives and sort of close the door on everything else and just focus on that thing right to really stay true and committed to one thing so how do people really you know start to develop this this ability of self-mastery in their lives wow okay that's that's a that's a topic for a weekend retreat <laughs> <laughs> yeah true true <laughs> so part of so you know there's no we have to go back and figure out not the effect that people aren't doing it but the cause why aren't people doing it because if we just work on the effect we're gonna we're going to keep battling or people are going to keep battling on so part of the cause is our we're subjecting ourselves to way too much information right we the the dopamine's being released by the twitter by the phone going off by the email by all this so we're getting a chemical release every time somebody likes us somebody every time we get somebody in our bumble hive every time somebody's so we get this emotional dopamine release which is very addictive and we're not able to then retrain ourselves not able to focus so i use the analogy and the other part so this is a multiple a multiple part answer yeah um and so what the other part is that when people don't set goals they can't focus because there's nothing fo to to focus on right so you need a goal to give your attention to many people are afraid to set a goal because what if something better comes along yeah. right what if something different comes along so the key then is and i there was a book called the dip he talks about when you set a goal ask yourself at what point would you stop going after this goal and if you can wow. come up with a point that, that 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 you would stop going after it don't set that goal because you're going to hit a dip when you're going for your goal and if you give up the first dip that you hit it's a don't do it it's not it's not <laughs> that important so one we need to make sure that our goals are worth that we will do whatever it takes and this is part of me a mental strength right this is part, part of grit i will take even if it takes me five years i'm going to do whatever it takes to hit this goal because it is so important to me so in goal setting we really need to establish a purpose and a passion for that goal then we so people go how do i stop myself from being distracted you don't stop yourself from being distracted because then you're forcing yourself not to look but if you focus on the goal you automatically are not distracted so there's no effort in it it's kind of like the racehorses with blinders they don't have to not look around they're forced to look ahead and so when we can when we can get a goal make sure we would go through anything to get it accomplished and then keep that our primary focus then there's no distractions because we're not they just don't exist in our peripheral 
and then we can go ahead and achieve that goal. But many people don't know that because one, they don't know what they want in life. <laughs> and the first bit of resistance, they give up. So they haven't been able to develop the grit. So grit, part of grit, right, is um, t um, talents plus, plus effort equals skills. Skills plus effort equals achievement. Love that. Yeah, I think what this, what this also entails, what you mentioned before, this idea, first of all, of you know, keeping going until you succeed no matter what. What it also entails to me is, is really getting kind of realistic obstacles you're going to face. Because I think this is one of the major challenges that people face is they set these goals and they have these unrealistic expectations of never actually facing any obstacles, of never, you know, falling down, of never stumbling. Right. But if you can, you know, in advance, really get clear and, hey, these are realistically, this is what I'm going to have to go through. Like you said, the next five years, it's going to be hustle. It's going to be hard. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be things in my way. But it doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to keep pushing after this. That's when you'll succeed because then you don't have any excuses yep. left in that moment. So I love this idea of sort of making that pre-decision that no matter what, you're going to succeed at this. Yes, yes, you have to, right? Yes, absolutely. Because otherwise, like as soon as something comes up, as soon as there's some you know major setbacks or even minor setbacks, you're going to quit because it just feels unnatural and feels uncomfortable. Right. So the author is Seth Gooden. Ah, Seth. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Amazing. And, and I, I just really appreciated that book in defining, you know, because people set goals and, you know, everybody talks about goal setting, goal setting, and then they go, well, I didn't achieve my goal. I couldn't achieve it. Well, one, that's because it wasn't worthwhile to you in the first place. That's first, right? Yeah. And then two is, you didn't anticipate some of the resistance that's coming along your way. So that book is really great in helping people discern how important their goal is. For sure. And, and I've, I've heard you talk about goal setting before, actually. And really, specifically, what I mean is, is the difference between conscious and unconscious mind. Because it's not enough to just consciously decide, I want to achieve this, right? But you actually have to really wire it into the subconscious mind. So can you share a little bit I, about that process of, of really So when I was in... So when I was in NLP training, they talked about the conscious mind is the goal setter. The unconscious mind is the goal getter. Ooh. So if you're achieving results different than what you want, your unconscious mind is driving your behavior. So what is in your unconscious mind? Your beliefs, your values, your emotions, your past experiences. So if you're getting something that, so for instance, we'll just use relationships now for an example. Let's say somebody really wants to get, they consciously want to be involved in a relationship. And they are out there on all the dating sites, they're out there looking for people, but unconsciously, they associate relationships with pain. Mm -hmm. One, they're going, to, they're going to attract individuals in their life that'll meet them once and not meet them again, and then they're going to be painful. Or they'll get involved in a relationship for, for six months and they'll sabotage it in some way. And something to that nature, right? But if we, just because we consciously say we want a relationship, if unconsciously we think a relationship eventually ends in pain, we're unconsciously we're going to do everything we can not to get involved in a relationship. 
Wow, love that. And that's such an important insight, I think, because most people don't really think about this. They don't really reflect on, on this difference between conscious and subconscious mind. And so, like right. you say, they, they end up sabotaging their success over and over and over again. And then wonder, why did I fail at this? Why did it happen again? Why did I meet this person again? That, that, that's the key phrase. Why does this always keep happening to me? Well, that means take a deeper look in your unconscious, because if it is happening to you, you're not at fault, but you are responsible for the results you're getting. And those results are driven by your unconscious behavior, which is if, you know, if I feel I'm, I can't lose weight because I come from a heavy set family, if I, you know, if relationships end in pain, if I'm only worth $50,000 a year, any of those things are in your unconscious. You can say consciously, no, I'm worth a hundred thousand. No, I, I know I can lose the weight. And, Consciously, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a good start, but you got to get in to change the programming in your unconscious mind. That's either through coaching, hypnosis. Um, you know, there, there are many ways, guided meditations, there are many ways. But the problem with the challenge that I see with this solution that I've experienced myself and with clients, it's taken somebody 20, 30, 40 years to develop the thinking they have now. And they expect one hypnosis session or one yeah. guided meditation to change them overnight. Now, it's not going to take 30 years to change it, but gosh, give it some time. It took you 30 years to get here. How can you, how can you think it's going to take you <laughs> one hour to change 30 years of conditioning? Love that. It's such an important point, right? Because nowadays, people always want these quick fixes, right? They, right. The thing that happens like in an instant and then an hour I'm cured and an hour I'm saved and everything's different. But the, the human brain and body don't work that way. And I think people understand this when it comes to exercise, right? Like you're not going to lose 20 pounds in like a week, right? Just from working out every day. But the same applies to the mental side, right? So like you start visualizing, you start creating these new beliefs, but it's not going to happen overnight. But just like exercise, it will inevitably happen if you just keep doing it, right? And I think that's important right. part to remember. Right. And, and that's where athletes sometimes get confused between therapy and coaching and mental strength coaching is they're, you know, they'll go, well, there's nothing wrong with me. Well, we're not saying there's anything wrong with you, but is there perhaps that you could be doing better and what's preventing you from doing better? And then again, athletes, they just want to go, go, go. And so they have an hour to work on their mind and they want to expect it to be done. Act, act, athletes who are just about that 1%, you know, from that, that top 10% are some of the most challenging individuals to work with because they know they want to change. They have a deep desire, but they want it now. And so if you can't produce a result within an hour, they're going to go someplace else. Yeah. <laughs> and they keep swapping around and always looking for the quick fix, but never actually right. committing to something, right? Which is really the essence of, of changing anything. Right. So I think, yes, important. 100%. Now let's talk about pressure, right? Because whether you're an athlete, whether you're a salesperson, whether you're even a mom or dad, we'll experience pressure in our lives, or, right? And so how do we, you know, when, when it's about to, you know, you're about to do the game-defining shot, right? You're about to give that public speech. How, do, how can people deal with pressure and actually rise to the occasion in the moments that matter most? Wow. Uh, these, these are, Max, these are excellent questions. That, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I know I it's just, a big, I, big, I, I, big topic, but. Right, right. Actually, really. So the first thing that I help clients understand that pressure is all internal. 
You cannot point to the external world and show me pressure. You cannot put pressure in a wheelbarrow. So we have to understand that we are the creators of our pressure. Even if our coach is yelling at us, even if the stands are screaming like crazy for us to miss or make the free throw, it's still how do we respond to that? And when we can start to train ourselves like with football, they, they, they tend to, if they're going to go to a stadium that is really noisy, like Kansas City or Seattle, teams that are going there will play really loud music during their training to simulate or emulate that, that experience. So part of pressure is understanding where is it coming from. Many times it's, if I don't make it, I'm not a good person. So if I don't make this, they don't think of... Many athletes attach their identity to their, who they are, their, their self-worth. So the pressure is, if I don't make this, I'm a bad person. First, so that needs to be resolved. Or people, even sales. If I don't make this sales, I'm a bad salesperson or a bad person. So there's part of the pressure is what the meaning we put onto the event itself. Now, there is some pressure that is good. We need to have some of it because it helps us, right? So there's this, um, the you, the inverted you, where you have not enough pressure, you don't care. You have too much pressure, you choke. So you have to know what works for you in that pressure situation. And the only way that that can happen is by being put in it and understand it. And then understand why, why are you choking? Well, if I don't make this sale, I'm not going to get my commission. I'm not going to be able to go on vacation. I'm not going to. So there's a whole domino effects and, and, and that needs to be released. But one of my favorite, favorite ways of helping individuals manage that pressure is mentally rehearsing. Love when that. you can. So many it's also referred to visual visualization. I don't like that because many people just see a picture. Mental rehearsal means you see what you see, hear what you would hear, and feel what you would feel. So if you're a free thrower, you would have to feel your confidence in making that shot, not just see it. If you're a salesperson, you have to see the confidence in it, but you also have to feel it. And when you can mentally rehearse the event that's coming up over and over and over again, you're training your unconscious mind to release that pressure and keep it at that peak point. So to answer your question, the biggest one is identify why is this such a pressure situation and neutralize it, or not neutralize it, but bring, bring it back to a more realistic expectation and then mentally rehearse what you want to have happen. Absolutely love that. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into the mental rehearsal. So when you work with athletes, for example, or salespeople, do you actually have them visualize just sort of the successful attempts or the successful sale and closing that? Or do you also have to visualize the setbacks and when people, you know, say no, and then how they come back to that? So what's, what does that process look like? Absolutely. So with, with let's say golfers or um, free throwers, something to that nature, we like to look at just the event they want to have happen. So they make the shot because you don't want to mentally rehearse, not making yeah. the shot because the, those are things that are directly in your control, putting the, putting the, the ball into the hole, throw, throwing the pass, hitting the return in tennis. Those are individual things that you can control. 
the things that you can't control, such as sales, you want to mentally rehearse what possible objections might come up, what possible things might come up along the way and navigate through them to a successful close. But you would be doing yourself a disservice by mentally rehearsing, going in, doing the presentation, seeing them sign on the dotted line. That's mm -hmm. not going to happen. That's never going to, going to happen because you are in an environment where there are things outside of your control. So again, with a salesperson, when, when you're involved with somebody else, we'll just put it that way, even relationships, even a conversation that you want to have with your significant other when you go home, you want to mentally rehearse how confident you're going to feel in delivering your information, how confident you're going to have with that, and anticipate some of the roadblocks that may come along and how you will navigate them. Um, a good example, let's just say there's, do you mind if I give another example? Oh yeah, please, please go for it. Right. So let's say there's a person out there that's just started a nutrition program and they want to be able to get down to their ideal weight and perhaps body fat and they're doing well and they're invited out to a dinner with a group of friends. Many people would just go, Ooh, you know, that's going to ruin me, but I'll just go out and suck it up and I'll start all tomorrow. Well, what I suggest is mentally rehearse you going to the restaurant, meeting all your friends, hugging them, having a great time, sitting down, denying a cocktail. When the bread comes, see yourself take it and pass it over to, to somebody else. Look at the menu, pick the salad with the chicken, right? Mentally rehearse how you still can go out, make better selections and still have a great time as opposed to just giving up. Absolutely love that. I think that's that's for, for anyone starting with weight, especially that is such a useful and practical tip that you can start applying in your life. And I really love the distinction between things that you have absolute control over, like your shot or your throw, whatever, and then actually just visualizing the success and things that you know maybe influenced by outside circumstances, and then visualizing how you're gonna overcome those obstacles. I think such a such a powerful really distinction. Um, so right. Absolutely love that. right, right. And, and, and the ones where you don't have complete control, you do have control over how you're going to yeah. respond. You do have control over the questions you're going to ask. You do have control over your reaction or responding to a situation. And so eventually you want to see, you want to see a successful outcome, but it's not going to be that straight line like you would in golf or tennis or some other one-on-one -on -one sport. Yeah, exactly. But still always visualize the successful outcome in the end. Mm -hmm. Right. No, I love that. Now I want to talk a little bit about your own backstory. So what made you so interested? Because I know you're just absolutely obsessed with the warrior mind. What got you into this field in the first place? Oh, so part, when I was in corporate sales, I, I, was, in, I was in sales for over 25 years. And I forgot when, I forgot how, but I ended up listening to I think it was because Tony Robbins info commercial way <laughs> he got us all. <laughs> a long time, long time ago and the power within or something like that. So I would start, this is when there was cassette tapes. That's ah, how yeah. long ago well. it was. So I would have a commute to my office of 50 miles one way. Wow. So I would use that as a time to start listening to Tony Robbins. So as I listened and developed it, I started to apply those things my sales kept increasing my sale, you know my quota my revenue my commission kept increasing so then i got on this 
massive journey of personal development, professional development, but I didn't realize it was mindset at that time. Then when I started lifting and getting involved in other sports, I realized that the discipline that I built in sales carried over to rock climbing, mountaineering, lifting weights, hiking, doing some, you know, all those, all those great things. And it was there that I kind of correlated that, hey, it's the mind, it's the mindset that really is driving all this. And again, I didn't get into it as far as, you know, the beliefs, I didn't understand beliefs were subconscious at that point. Um, and so then at one point I was downsized from work because of various situations and thought that this was a sign from the universe to go ahead and change careers. And so I've been doing coaching for over 11 years now, but it's all been, you know, there's been many steps in between that. But what I realized is that it's our, so I use the TFAR model, right? Our thoughts lead to feelings, which lead to actions, which lead to results. But then before the thoughts come your beliefs. So it's the B to far. So, <laughs> right. So it's your beliefs that lead to your thoughts, which lead to your feelings, which lead to your actions, which lead to your results. And that's where I base all of my coaching on. Absolutely. Love that. Now, what does your mental strength training look like today? Like, do you still work on those, you know, changing those underlying fundamental beliefs every day? Do you use mental rehearsal? What is your usual, you know, morning routine or whatever, whenever you practice it? What does it look like for you? For me personally? Yes, exactly. Okay. Wow. So I will do a, I wake up at five and I'll do a half hour to 45 minute meditation, guided meditation, hypnosis. I have a, a library of different audios that I listen to. Um, then when I get done with that, I'll do a little reading to find some inspiration for positive quotes that I put up. I'm, I'm active in the morning. I'm very active on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, creating pictures with quotes and writing some stories about those quotes. And then normally around nine o'clock is when I start with my coaching, finish up in the afternoon. Then when I go to the gym, I purposely set goals. So I track all my lifts, which I think wow. is important to track your results as far as developing mental strength because you have goals. So I set goals every time I go to the gym and I want to track them to see how, how well I'm doing at them. I will then at the gym really watch my, my um, self-talk, my energy. I'll change music to get my energy up there. And so I use that as a, as a physical to get to the mental part. And then when I come back, you know, have dinner, but then I'll, I'll read, I'll read some stuff at night. Um, and I always, I shouldn't say I always, my intention is to constantly improve through different, different books. Like Joe Dispenza is one of my favorite authors. Right oh, now. great, great um, guy. Yes. Right. And so I really, you know, when I, when I read his, one of his first books, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, it really resonated with me. His latest book, uh, Becoming Supernatural, I'll go in there and I'll do those meditations. So I'll, the thing that I try to do, not try to do, the thing that I do is if I find a book, I'll stay with it for several months wow. doing the exercises. Because I realized that before I would read a book and I wouldn't do the exercises. So I had the knowledge, but I didn't have the wisdom, right? The, the wisdom is taking the knowledge and applying it in life. And I realized I had all this knowledge, but I had no proof that it worked. 
So now I take, I'm not so much consume, concerned about how many books I read a year. It's how many books do I apply every step to my life. Oh, I love that because I, I hear so many people talk about, oh, I read like a book a week, right? I read two books a week. But the question is always how much of the book do you actually, first of all, remember? And then like you say, actually right. apply to your life to actually change something. Because at the end of the day, the, the goal is not to just soak up information. It's to actually do right. something with that information to better our lives, right? And so I love right. And that's, and that's where, you know, I, I, kind of, I kind of challenge individuals if they're doing a lot of reading and i and i don't want this to come off i want this to come off supportive in that i i would rather have people read and do nothing than do nothing at all yeah right because because at least at least they're planting seeds in there at least they're they're doing a growth mindset part of it but what i would like to do is have use the mental strength and take that book develop an action plan for each chapter and apply it to your life until it's unconscious behavior then go on to the next book love that so if you really want to get out them get the most out of this interview take a piece of paper write down the top three things you learn and just start applying whatever it is to your life to actually make sure you build the habit not just thinking about it but a habit of actually acting on those insights it's a really important distinction right, right. And, and many times you can you can find one key thing from a book like again i referenced the dip there are many different things in there, but the thing that I took away that I still look at is at what point would I stop going after a goal, then don't go after that goal at all because yeah. it's not worth it. That's the key, that was the key, key thing that I got out of that book. So, you know, I mean, I, I, when I had the book, I looked at the different aspects of it and I started to work with them, but some of them just fell naturally aside, but that was the one. So at least at a minimum, take one takeaway from every book that you read and apply it in your life immediately. 100% love that, absolutely. Now, Greg, on the show, we always love to celebrate failure. So do you have a favorite failure in your life that actually ended up being a catalyst for your future success or your future happiness or for you raising a game in your life to the next level? Wow, so first, the word failure, this is, you know, again, words, or I use them as they don't describe, they create, but I understand the concept of failure. In NLP and many people go, there is no failure, it's just feedback. Yeah. Right? So so when you say failure, wow, there's there's quite a few that I could come up with. I mean, I look at at my life, I've gone through two divorces, two bankruptcies survived an avalanche, had a knee completely operated on, had double pneumonia, wow. had impaima, lost 25 pounds within two weeks and now came back from it. So I think if I culminate all of it into a culmination of quote failures, what it taught me was determination. So it's I will prove, and, and, and so there's, there's an anger in this, right? So ang anger can be used constructively if, it's, if the person is aware of it, right? So I would use the anger of all those events and the frustration from all those events to be better the next time, to be, so if I'm better the next time, what that means to me is those things are gonna be easier to handle. If I let those things hold me down, if they keep happening, 
I'm going to be suffering the victim. It doesn't mean that they're pleasant. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't handle it, but you will, if you survive this, you can survive it again and maybe even thrive from it. So there isn't just one, but I would look at my life, you know, over the past several 20, 30 years, put all of those events together and each one of them, I came out stronger, more positive, and I'm just going to say better, not that I'm better than you or anybody else, but I was better than I was when I went into that event. Oh my gosh, thank you for being so honest and, and bringing up this dark side, because that's something that, that lately I've, I've really become fascinated with, is, is not just the beautiful side, because that's what most people talk about. They talk about the inspiration and the vision and the goals, but so few people are really honest and, and able to admit that, hey, I'm driven by the dark side. And that, that's something that, that for me, especially over the last couple of months, it's been so incremental in me making changes. It's just been looking at all my failures, all my you know failures in the sense of, hey, all the things that I haven't done well, right? All of the times I've failed, all of the times people told me, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I've been using it as fuel. And so I love what we were just saying here is taking that anger, right? Taking that almost desperation of just, hey, I wasn't good enough then, I want to do better now, right? I'm going to use this to push myself. And I think that is such an overlooked concept when, when people try to make changes and not just looking at the bright side at the beautiful stuff, but actually taking that pain and taking that anger and using that to fuel them. Right. And, and the thing that I want to just make a caveat to is I didn't come out of those things like all pumped up. I was, I was depressed. I was, I was wondering what my life is about after each one of those events. Yeah, of course. And I knew I had to go through that. I just didn't set up camp there. I didn't set up base camp in my despair. I knew I was going through it. I was aware enough that I was going through it and I knew what it would take to get out of it. If I tried to get out of it too soon, I could probably either injure myself or create more problems in my life if I try to come out of it too soon. So I knew, I sensed when my soul was telling me it's okay to come out, out of the cocoon and I would come out of it, and then I would start to take action. But the thing is, if it, for those that are listening, it's okay to go through that dark night of the soul. It's okay to sit in that. Just don't sit up base camp there. Start to create a plan of what you're going to do when you feel better. Yes, yeah, such an important point here, because um, I think that the thing that people do is either they jump over it, right? They try to forget it. They try to suppress the pain and suppress the trauma, whether it's through watching TVs, eating junk food, like whatever it is. Or they go the other way, right? They, they sit in it and they, they, they live in it for too long. So I love the, the right. self-awareness that you mentioned here of just realizing that, hey, at some point, it's going to be time to move out of this, but maybe not after a day and, and maybe also, you know, before 10 years pass, right? You want to find the middle right. ground when you're in the right space mentally and emotionally to, to keep moving on. Right, right. And, that, and that's a good point. And I, I think that's, as you said, I think that's overlooked a lot in the, personal development field. There are some of those that do shadow work and there are some of those that, that work in that realm. And I, I, I enjoy that realm. Um, when people come to me, we'll, we'll go into it. I usually use that, that application for my one-on-one -on -one per personal retreats, but it's something that we need to recognize and acknowledge that we, when we go through trauma, there is this dark night of the soul. This is this dark place that we go to. But again, we don't, and we have to acknowledge it. We need somebody. We need coaches, not just therapists. We need coaches to pull us out and move us forward. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Greg, do you have a favorite mantra or quote that you, you know, live your life by? 
Uh, there are several depending on on the uh, the month, the year, the day. <laughs> uh, but part of it is, and I paraphrase this differently on my podcast, but you're responsible for programming your own mind. And if you don't take that responsibility to program your own mind, the world will program it for you. Love that. And, and we, that's, that's something that's easy to recite. It's kind of, oh yeah, that's great. But when you really think about it, so how do we let the world program our mind? The opinions of others. And we go, well, I don't care what people think. Well, you may not care what people think, but if you watch the news and listen to people and, and, and do different things, you're letting them, the pharmaceutical com companies with their ads are programming our mind. All of that. So you have a lawful responsibility to program your own mind. That means what do you allow into it? What do you deem is acceptable? And if you don't do that, if you don't set up a guardian around your, your beliefs, you're just going to be taken down the stream with, because the world's going to program you for you. Oh, so important. And you know, it's funny because whenever I talk to these incredibly happy or incredibly successful people, usually what they tell me is they don't watch the news, right? They don't right. like, they, they, they obviously care what's going on in the greater world, but they don't consume negativity. They don't consume all this mass media, all this, you know, celebrity gossip that most people are constantly feeding their minds with, right? All these crazy things that actually have no influence whatsoever on their lives, on their happiness, on their families and the people around them. So it's such an important point that you're making here. Right. And, and just to put a cav caveat on this one again is I'm not saying don't watch. So people go, I don't watch TV, but I watch Netflix. You're watching TV. Yeah. It's the right? same thing. <laughs> the TV is a physical object. Yeah. Right? So you're still watching TV. But here's the distinction. Like I, I watch movies. I went to see Joker this past weekend. So there, there are times when we can allow ourselves to be entertained. But what I try to do, and I do mean the word try, is set an intention of what I'm going to watch and what I want to pull out of it. So I want to pull out some of those, you know, in NLP, it's called modeling. So there's characters that I watch going, ooh, what, what is this person modeling now? And how can I embody that in my life next, tomorrow or the next day? So I'll be entertained, but then when there's a scene where there's a character really doing something powerful, then if I'm in awe of it, it means that I'm denying that of myself. So how, I, how can I live my life to bring that out? So I use, I use movies and TV shows as mirrors to my soul. Wow, I've never heard that before. thought about it but that way, but there's such an incredible idea of having these, these role models really of, of inspiration out there right and, and so when you already you know entertain yourself actually getting something out of it drawing that inspiration drawing those lessons out of it such a cool idea right and there and there and so you know given people can make excuses to watch anything yeah i would say that you know really be be mindful of what how you want to develop your own personality for lack of a better word or your own life watch characters who can give you the strength, the, the, the humor to help you move along that line and then emulate them. Absolutely love that. Now, Greg, what do you think is the number one thing that destroys people's mental strength? 
themselves. Yeah, themselves. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it's, it's the stories we tell. We live the stories that we tell ourselves. So if you want to live a different life in developmental strength, start telling yourself a different story, right? The stories are, I can't do this. This happens. My, my significant other is this. The, the food is this. And we live, we create these stories. I just, and then we exaggerate the stories and that, that just programs ourselves for mental weakness and not mental strength. So we, if we really want to live an empowered life, you know, if that's the goal that we want and we're not going to get it, let anything get in our way, then we need to understand that there are things in life that we have to do. Probably the biggest, biggest thing that I would say is the contributor is people don't have a sense of purpose. Wow. When you, and purpose is why were you, Max, put on this earth? Not why are you going to college for positive psychology not why are you an athlete not why are you a salesperson but why were you put on this earth when we can find our purpose in life we will then get enthused and this gets back to part of um uh positive psychology right because it's all a lot of it's based in purpose but i have found that when people find discover their purpose there is a shift that happens and whether you call it mental strength positive psychology better outlook they then look at life completely different and they will tend to see more of the good than the bad they'll tend to take better actions when 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 they know better they do better and i think for me a lot of it stems from finding purpose yes absolutely love it i can i, I can see the exact same thing in my life right so to me the purpose i see in my life is is just sharing you know messages like you're sharing messages of inspiration of of beauty really of, of living a good life with other people and so to me this right now here it gives me more energy than it takes and that's the way i always right. make a purpose right it, it gives me so much energy it feeds me i love doing this and that to me is really the key i love doing it right and it makes and so, it so, a better so let me ask, and so let me ask you you're in switzerland now so what, so what time is it there for you it's 7 p.m right now 7 p.m. So you're a young guy. Yeah. 7 p.m. on in Switzerland. Most other young, good-looking guys would be out <laughs> at a bar partying, right? Here you are. You have the mental strength to go. That's not important to me. What's important to me is connecting with people, spreading messages, spreading good, good stuff. So by your passion and purpose, you've developed the skills needed to focus on that. I mean, you're, you're, it's a perfect example. I mean, when I was your age at 7 p.m., I, was I couldn't be found at home. You, you, you've embraced your purpose for eight. And the thing is, our purpose can change. It vacillates because as we start to, we never, we never completely fulfill our purpose. But when we get close enough, our soul will expose us to other things. So you're, you're a perfect example, Max, of your purpose is helping you develop your mental strength. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, a little fun fact. I've actually never been drunk in my entire life. Like it was <laughs> good for you. So focused on athletics and this. So, so no time for that. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate that. Now, before I ask my final question, what's your favorite way for you to connect with listeners? Where can they find you and your work online? Wonderful. Thank, thank, thank you for that. For Again, thank you for the opportunity to come here and share some great, 
stories and, and discuss philosophy. Oh, thank you for coming. Right, right. <laughs> so I, my, my main site is warriormindcoach.com. You can find access to my podcast there, access to my blog, um, introductory consultation requests, a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm very active on Facebook, Instagram. You could look up Warrior Mind Coach or my name and on LinkedIn. But I would say the first stop would be go to warriormindcoach.com and you can and my podcasts are on are on all the podcast broadcast. I you know, I cast uh, iPod, all all of them they're they're out there with all of them. So if you want to listen that would be great. But again, um, thank you again for for the opportunity. Thank you. Now I'm going to put up the links to that. Now, final question. What does mental mastery mean to you? There's this concept in Japan called the relentless pursuit of excellence. And it's not Kaizen, which is incrementally improving incrementally every day. And there's a documentary about a sushi chef, 80 years old, who is still under this relentless pursuit of excellence. So mastery is something you never accomplish. It's a journey. So mental mastery to me is being aware of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, the behaviors that come with them and identifying is, is this thought, is this behavior, is this emotion in alignment with the life I want to create? It doesn't mean that you don't have any negative thoughts. It doesn't mean that you don't have any negative emotions. It means that you are aware of them and put them into one bin or another one, empowering or disempowering. And the more that we can be aware of our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions and be able to segregate them immediately, the more we will get to mental mastery. All right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to, you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this, you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So to really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, friend, a loved one maybe that you think could benefit from this content, please consider, you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.